0: <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran offers us some very important examples and principles. Absolutely important. The Quran itself states its mission. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then what's next? the That this book is for guidance. But it can only offer guidance to the one who's searching for that guidance. So there are two types of people that you'll find in life. There are those people who wish to figure out everything themselves. Now, the downside to this sort of personality and attitude is that you end up wasting so much of your time falling into the same traps, making the same mistakes people before you made. So you get tea and you're like, you know what, I'm going to make tea myself. Rather than watching a tutorial or asking your mom and dad or reading up some recipe on how to make tea, you start getting cold water and mixing cold tea leaf, and you realize that nothing's coming out of it. Because tea, in order for it to be made, you have to... you gotta heat the water. Then you can cool it down if you want iced tea, but you cannot extract that flavor, that, that effect of the tea from the tea leaf, unless you heat the water first. Now you'll waste 20 minutes of your time sitting there thinking that somehow this tea is going to transfuse into the water, but it's not going to work. So the first way you can figure out to do things is just do it on your own, and make mistakes along the way, be heartbroken along the way, feel isolated and lonely along the way, feel like you wasted your life along the way, and then realize that, man, I should have listened to those who are telling me how to do it right in the first place. Or what you can do is, instead of doing it your own way first, and then regretting wasting time and effort and your resources, what you do is, you ask someone else who's done it before you, how do I do this thing? What's the most effective way for me to do this? You know, I'm about to do a science project. You did this science project last year. How did you prepare yourself for this project? What were things that you did? Were there any books that you read, any materials that you purchased? You know, how did you utilize your time in this project? When you have a guide who's done something before you, and that person walks you through it, you'll be able to do that thing so much more effectively. This is a reality. This is what the Qur'an actually does for us. The Qur'an saves us time and saves us our lives. Instead of wasting our time doing zina and then realizing ten to generations later what the harms of zina are, Allah tells us from the get-go, don't do zina. You do zina, you'll have children without parents, without parents. They won't have a family structure, without a family structure. They will grow up as broken people. They will have emotional problems, psychological problems. It'll take two to three generations to correct it again. So save all of two, three generations of being wasted, stick to nikah, stick to marriage, stay away from zina. Do you guys understand this? Someone says, let me consume alcohol, let me get involved with drugs, and it feels good. Today morning I was reading about, when I woke up, I was reading about the hashish culture in Afghanistan. But there is a very serious addiction for free. Not only for free, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very passionately, with a lot of love, with a lot of concern, He's saying to mankind, أَفَلَا يَتَذَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمَ عَلَى أَقْفَالُهَا Do they not ponder over what the Qur'an is saying, or are their hearts locked? Is there a lock on their heart? Why aren't they paying attention? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you pay attention to this, the Quran that I wanted to share with you today. The first one deals with this issue at hand. And the issue is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, the youth and the adults, that before you flush your life away, before you waste your life doing nonsense, in Surah Al Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, let me tell you what the typical life of a human being looks like. And how it's a way to waste your life. How it's what you shouldn't be doing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this verse, he says In this verse, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more or less states that human beings go through three phases in life every child, middle aged person, and adult. We all go through how many phases? Three phases. And each of these phases have two sections, two subsections to them. This commentary that I give of this verse is offered by both the famous Pakistani Mufassir uh, Mufti Shafi Uthmani in his Ma'arif al-Qur'an and it's also uh, uh, offered by the famous Persian three phases the human being goes through. And each of these phases have two subsections. So the first phase is what Allah calls لَعِبٌ ولهون. The second one is زِينَةٌ وَتَفَاخُرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ The third is وَتَكَاثُرٌ في الأموال والأولاد. Phase number one has two sections to it. The first section to phase number one is la'ib. The second section to phase number one is lahu. Now لَعِبٍ lahu, If you were to check with, uh, check a dictionary, or translation, you would find that these words almost have the same meaning. And what do they mean? Anyone? Playing, entertaining yourself, enjoying yourself, you know, it's having fun. But if you look at them more carefully, linguistically, what you notice is that there is a big difference between these two words. Imam Fakhruddin Al-Razi says, La'ib refers to that play which has no meaning, and Lahu refers to a play which has a purpose and meaning behind it. So you ask a three-year-old kid who's playing with his jack-in-the-box, so why do you sit here and crank this thing down and then press the button, it jumps up, you say hoo-hoo-ha-ha, ha, you close it, you do it again. How, what motivates you to do this for one hour straight? Like, what's, what's your purpose behind this game? What are you getting out of this? Are you building your muscle here? Are you developing your instincts by the way it jumps at you? What entertains you? For this kid who's three years old, what's his purpose behind the, behind the toy? There's no purpose. I just like it. That's it. I enjoy it. I like it. Ha ha. And they'll do it again. Ha ha. Like, they they like doing it. That's it. This kid... And the interesting thing, Mufti Shafi Uthmani states, that for each phase in life, this kid who's three years old and he's playing with his jack-in-the-box, he enjoys doing it so much. There's nothing in the world that's more desirable to him than his... his jack-in-the-box. And not only that, he believes, this is where Muthu Shafi's seed uh, is so valuable, so practical. He says, this kid thinks at this point in his life that he's figured out the secret to the world. As, it, as you'll learn, the human being constantly thinks in every phase of the life. They think they've figured it out. And then he says, that same child who's playing with the jack-in-the-box when he's three years old, playing with it, the second thing is that Everyone else he looks at in the world, he thinks they're wasting their time. They're all fools and idiots. This three-year-old kid looks at his mom and he's like, God knows what's wrong with his lady, right? She's always cooking, she's always stressed, she's always angry, always ironing and cleaning. Her life must be so miserable. He looks at his brother who's playing ball all day. What a miserable kid. He looks at his dad who's working all day. What a miserable man. He looks at his sister who's putting on makeup. What a miserable clown looks at his brother who's running outside and, you know, trying to get in shape and he's lifting weights. What a miserable slave. Like, he's looking at all these people and thinks, what a miserable bunch. And he's, it's as if in his heart he wishes that he can broadcast to the world how much joy he experiences by doing his? His jack-in-the-box. Then he says what happens is naturally you graduate from uh, part one of phase one to part two of phase one and this is now Lahu. This is now where this kid is playing basketball for nine hours straight when he's 13 years old, and you ask this kid, why do you play so much ball? He says, because I want to be the MVP. I want to own the court. I want people to respect me. When I fake them, I want them to fall in submission. Like, that's what I want to be. I want them to crack, break their ankles when when I step aside. That's what I want the world to do. Like, this person really wants to own. They have command now. He says, when you, when you reach this stage, now the purpose of playing, there's a purpose to it, okay? It's, you know, it's about fame, it's about prestige, it's about your physique. There, there are other factors that are now playing in. Now this kid who's been playing basketball for seven hours straight, he comes home, and his mom says to him, hey, you know, why don't you go play with your brother? He's playing with the jack-in-the-box. And he says to his mom, that kid's wasting his time. He doesn't realize that that was his toy 10 years ago. 10 years ago, whose toy was it? It was his toy. If you're from a Desi family, your parents do not buy you new toys. You get hand-me-downs. You don't get new underwear, you don't get new shirt, you don't get new shoes, you don't get new thobes. All of the clothes you wear, they belong to your older brother, or if you're you're from a super um, immigrant family, maybe your older cousin at some point was wearing this, maybe even your dad at some point. So it's all hand-me-down. He doesn't realize, doesn't appreciate that that same toy that the kid is playing with that he looks at now and is saying, he's wasting his time, who was doing this 10 years ago? He was doing that 10 years ago. And this is where Mufti Shafi Uthmani says, so the first reality of life is that depending on which phase you're in, you believe that you figured it out. And the second reality is as you progress, when you look back at your life, you feel like you wasted a lot of time you realize you actually didn't figure it out. Your nafs was just playing a game with you. Your nafs was telling you that your temporary luxury was actually eternal luxury. But then you realize that it's not eternal luxury. There's nothing in this world that's eternal other than the connection that a human being establishes with Allah. While الصَّالِحَاتِ there, there's nothing else that matters other than your deeds because those are everlasting. Otherwise, every action, every joke, every game you play comes to an end. You can play, I mean, you shouldn't play GTA, but I was going to say you could play GTA, but you can play any game you want to. You're playing a video game. When you finish off all the tasks in the game and you finish off all the campaigns and you've collected all the collectibles, at the end of the game, You know, that's the end of it. That's the end of the life of that game. There's nothing else that game can offer you now. You know, what else are you going to do? You're not going to get $10 out of the CD slot. You just take the game, pass it on to someone else, and move on with your life. So, this second person, this person who's in the second phase of life, when he reflects on his life retrospectively, he begins to realize that, gosh, I wasted a lot of time. And any wise, mature person would do this. I'm hoping that every person sitting here, every individual, I don't care how old you are, I hope every person sitting here looks at their life retrospectively in the past and says, hey man, two years ago I could have been more productive. I could have done things better. And I think you begin to notice how much more productive you could have been, how much more you could have accomplished with your life Every three to four years, because there's a bigger gap in who you are. You grow a lot every three to four years. Every three to four years, you grow a lot. Every seven years, you grow massively. So when you look back at your life, you should notice a difference. He then says what happens is you graduate from phase one to phase two. Phase one was all about play. And unfortunately, many of our folks don't graduate from phase one. They continue to play games even when they're 40 years old. And their wives are complaining that my husband still watches... Uh, this, uh, you know NFL on Sunday as if he's going into i'tikaf and the rest of the family has to act like they don't exist on Sundays. Bhai probably knows what I'm talking about. Probably he doesn't know. I don't know. Well, you know, Sunday uh, NFL fathers. Now you enter into the second phase of life, and the second phase of life, he says, is now about zina tun bainakum. Phase one, phase two, part one, is about beautifying yourself. Now the 16-year-old kid begins to notice that, hey, I need to actually figure out what my haircut is. It's time to go and Google. It's time to go on YouTube and find out what my haircut is. What's my shoe style? What's my spectacle, my glass style? My glasses, what kind of style is that? What's my shirt style? And they start figuring out what their beauty is. What does my hijab look like? What's my, I know everyone else is a hijab style, but what's my hijab game? What's my abaya game going to look like? So everyone now, they're sharp figuring out zinatun. It's all about their beauty. And so much of our life is wasted in beautifying the body. And I, Now, keep in mind, being beautiful is not a bad thing. I want to make this very clear. It's actually praiseworthy. But you have to understand the context of what Allah is calling zinatun is, a, is in a perspective where you're neglecting other things in life You're obsessed with one reality. You feel like everyone else is a failure. And you are indulging more than you should be. Do you guys understand? Like every parent will tell you, my kids play video games much more than they should be. Are there any parents here who can say that confidently? No? No parents here, mashallah? There's one parent at the back who says that my son, my daughter plays video games much more than they should be. Hey, when I was young, I used to play a lot of video games. Astaghfirullah. A lot. I was a crazy gamer. Can I tell you guys a little story about myself? Yes, guys. So when I was young, I used to love playing video games. We used to have this console called the Sega Genesis. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, no kind. Yeah, you know Genesis. Yeah, that's my guy. So hey, what's going on? Sound like a man. So we used to play the Sega Genesis a lot when we were young. This is a really embarrassing story, but I'll share it with you anyway. One day, my mom complained to my dad. She says to my dad that when you're out of the house and your kids, your kids, oh gosh, and your kids are playing video games and I tell them to do something, they don't listen to me. So my dad said, Isibate, that's what the case is? He unplugged the TV, he unplugged the Sega Genesis, took the Genesis, put it inside a a, a, a pillowcase, he wrapped it up, I don't know why. He put it in a pillowcase and wrapped it up. He went to his closet, put it on the top shelf. And he said, this is your punishment. You don't listen to your mom, no more gaming for you. My brother and I, my bro- older brother, who's Sheikh Mubin, he's an imam in Dallas too, him and I became very sad. We stopped talking, we stopped eating. Life began to lose its meaning. You can laugh if you want to. I don't mind. All right? You can judge me. But it hurt me. It was a serious pain. I began to feel empty from within. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my free time anymore. There was nothing else in the dunya that I enjoyed. My brother and I, we start eating less. We would lie in our room, we, slept, we shared a room, on our beds quietly. He would say, Hussein, you're awake? I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, you awake? He's like, yeah, man. We're just, and it really sucks. So one day, my brother and I, maybe a week later, we said, enough is enough. There will be an intifada, we will rise. We will do something about this. So we said, what's the plan? My brother was a smart one, by the way. He still is, mashallah, very smart. He says to me, okay, Hussein, this is what we're going to do. He's older than me. I'm the youngest in the family. He says, Hussein, this is what we're going to do. Dad takes his pants off and hangs them in the bathroom. At nighttime, you will go and bring the key from the closet. I said, done. I got the key from the closet. My dad was gone somewhere. Uh, we were, my parents were so happy with us, by the way, because we started sleeping early. Because <laughs> we were planning it all out. My dad was gone somewhere. We opened up the closet. I went down. My brother went up. He got on my back, he pulled the pillowcase down, pulled out the Sega Genesis, put a brick in there, wrapped it up, and put it back in its place. (laughs) He brought it back to our closet. He came to our room, he's like, okay, first step done, we have the Genesis. Second thing, we need to find a TV. Third thing, we need to conceal it. So we searched the whole house, and back in those days, back in the day, I'm not sure if you guys remember, there used to be these tiny, small TVs. Anyone remember those? these small little box-like TVs that used to exist. So we had one lying in the, in the basement somewhere that my dad forgot about. We brought that one up, a small little TV, we brought it up. And then hiding it was easy because we always wore thobes when we were kids. And the beautiful thing about a thobe is that when it hangs in the closet, nobody knows what's behind the thobe. So behind our, our thobes in our closet, we had this very elaborate setup of our Sega Genesis. Now, my parents had no idea, and now they were so happy because they, they began to notice that Curfew sleep time was at 10 o'clock, but we would go to sleep at 8 (laughs) o'clock. We'd say to mom and dad, You know, we're really tired today, we're gonna go to sleep. (laughs) But the truth is, we didn't sleep until 6 a.m. Astaghfirullah, (laughs) Astaghfirullah, on a school day. It was really bad. I had a serious game addiction. And we'd stay awake all night playing games, playing games, playing games. Now, our closet was attached to the bathroom. One night, my dad was in the bathroom. And my brother, I don't know what happened, he punched me somehow. Maybe I did something, maybe I scored on him. We used to play NBA, uh, NBA Jam back in the day. So, I, I must have scored on him somehow and he got really angry and he punched me. And I said, ow, my dad heard it. We knew he was in the bathroom, we were waiting for him to flush so we would run to our beds in case he came to check on us. But my dad was smart too, he didn't flush that day. <laughs> he got up, he walked out of the room, he came inside our room, he walked through our room He saw in the closet there was some light coming from there He stood at the door of the closet Turned the light on And I don't know if I can I'll be honest with you I saw Malakul maut that day <laughs> I saw the angel of death I looked at my dad and he looked at us like this And without the smile He, he looked at us with a very serious face I honestly thought my soul, my ruh was going to leave my chest I could feel it right now I could feel it right now I was terrified and then what he said to us didn't make it any better. He said to us, in our language, tum dono ko me kal didn't get angry at us, didn't shout at us, didn't shut the TV off. He goes, tum dono ko me kal play. No, he mocked me. He said, play all you want to. I'll see you two tomorrow. And he walked out. Woo! There was no sleep for that night. At school, we were terrified. We came back from school. Before I continue, can I, sh- can I interject? Can I tell you guys something very unrelated? When I was young I used to go to Sunday school And when I was in Sunday school We used to always be told the story of Bilal an. You guys know the story of Bilal an? Where this famous story, he's a companion of the Prophet From African origin Arabs were really racist He was a slave When he became Muslim, they tortured the guy They beat the guy, they beat the guy, they beat the guy And every time they hit him, what would he say? Ahad, one God, one God. When I was young, when I was in Sunday school, wallahi, this is the truth, I thought this was a made-up story. Because it didn't make sense to me that how can someone be hit repeatedly and they're so persistent on one God, this guy could die. It never made sense to me until what happened today. We came back from school, my dad pulled his belt out. And I was like, oh gosh, we're in trouble. And he started giving it to us. And he said to us, promise me you'll never play again And I said, dad, I can't make that promise again (laughs) He hit us again, he said, promise me you won't play again I said, dad, I can't make that promise again And at that moment when my dad was hitting me me, And I was in trouble that day I remembered Bilal (laughs) r.a That, wow When you love something, this is how far you'll actually go for it When you love something that was the day. I remember Bilal radiallahu anhuan that moment. I was like, oh man, that story was actually real. That wasn't a made up story. Because if I can forbear this difficulty right now because of my love for video games, imagine how far Bilal radiallahu was willing to go because of his love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a weak narration, and some scholars have also attributed it to being fabricated, but the meaning is very sound. That your love for something will make you. Um, will make you blind, will, you sim and will make you a mute, you won't be able to speak anymore you'll lose your, 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 your functionality so there's this phase in life where it's all about playing and playing and playing and my dad, you know what he used to always say to me when I was young? he used to say to me, hussein you're wasting your life with video games and when I heard him when I was young, I used to get angry at him I was like, Dad, leave me alone, I like gaming but was he true or not? was he, what he's saying right or not? Tell me guys, absolutely right. There was no question about it. Because those video games did not impact my life at all. Being good at Fortnite is not gonna make you a pilot. Being good at Fortnite will get you no skill. It'll get you no money. And whatever money you're talking about, maybe if I get involved with some Fortnite tournament and I school everyone and I get like a crazy kill rate, you know, what's gonna come out of it? You're gonna get 100 bucks? Pat on your back, your name printed on some website, you can do that yourself. Go on Facebook and open an account, your name will be there. You know, Some recognition, there's a million things that you can do to get recognition. I was once in New York and this young kid, it was iftar time, I was at a, a family friend's house. We were about to have iftar, there was a kid sitting on the ottoman and he was sleeping. Before iftar time, must have been exhausted. He wakes up from his sleep, the adhan is going off, everyone's getting ready to take their dates and eat. He comes to me and says, Mufti Kamani, there's something really important I need to talk to you about. And I said to him, I'm about to make my fast. He said, no, this is right now. He Must have been 13 years old. So I said, okay. I pulled away from the table and I went to him. I said, what's going on? He said, I saw a dream that I was doing jihad. That I had a gun in my hand and I was fighting against the world. I was like, you've been playing too much modern warfare. (laughs) There's no dream, no inspiration, no jihad. You've been playing modern warfare. You guys know modern warfare? Yeah, it's video game, shooting video game. You've been playing this way too long, you know. And this is what happens to these kids. They begin to believe that, you know what, I'm the savior of the world because I can do it with my Xbox controller, I can do it with my my PS controller. So guess what, I can do it for the rest of the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, you will waste a big part of your life playing games. And then you'll graduate from there hopefully and move on to the next phase, which is about beauty. And how many folks in our community waste their life just shopping to look more beautiful. And again, I'm going to be very clear in case someone didn't hear me. Islam is not against being beautiful. In Islam it's it's something recommended. It's encouraged that you should look good, you should dress good. But it shouldn't be an obsession where you lose uh, touch with yourself, your spirituality. Then you transition from phase two, from part one to part two. And part two is تفاخرم بينكم Where you're no longer just happy with looking good Now it's all about competing with other people So there's a person that looks good They figured out their haircut, figured out their shoe style Figured out their thobe their, their game, their shirt game, their pants whatever, whatever it is that they enjoy wearing, their accessories They figured it all out But now they look at the person next to them and what do they say? That person has better than I have And they spend the next, 20, 15 years of their life competing with other people That person has a house in a better neighborhood than mine. That person has a better car than mine. That person has a better pair of shoes than I do. And this is where name brands come in. It's all about a name brand right now. Supreme. (laughs) What a con. What an absolute con. A North Face coat or jacket goes for how, how much, guys? A good one. A Supreme, dude, not North Face. Yeah, the collab. that's what I'm coming to, okay? So, you have a normal North Face coat that may, might run like 150, 200 bucks. You add Supreme on there, that exact same material, exact same fabric, exact same style, you just add a red logo and throw Supreme on there, it turns into $1,500. It goes from $200 to $1,500 because This is why. The value of it goes from 200 to 1500 because we have no lack of donkeys in the world. Everyone is stupid, everyone is dumb. We've become slaves to name brands and it's all about prestige and personality, nothing to do with quality. If someone is paying that $1,500 because there was an added value to it, literally there was some added value to it, it would make sense. That okay, maybe there's an extra pocket and that pocket is worth $1,000. Or maybe they have like an extra zipper and that zipper's worth $600. I don't know, maybe that someone might appeal to that sort of a logic, right? But look at the way we're in. People are so full of themselves, unfortunately, uh, our souls have been lost to name brands. We've lost them. How much of our money, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars have we lost to name brands? All because branding. Brand. This is all America is actually. The truth is, the summary of America is good packaging, low quality. You go to other parts of the world, they have horrible packaging, but amazing Amazing quality. You want biryani, go back home to, you go back home to the country, the village and eat biryani there. Amazing quality. The flyer will look horrible. You know, there was, I went to Karachi once, which is in Pakistan. And I went to this restaurant and they were making roti and the roti was so good. Roti is this bread that they serve with their curry and the food. It was so delicious, so delicious. And I said to the brother that how did they make this roti? He said, you won't believe it. I said, How? He said they need the flour. You know how you need flour? They need the flour for this roti with their feet. (laughs) True story, I'm not lying. Did you guys know this? No? You know this? In certain regions of the world, they need the flour of the bread with their with their feet. They actually walk on it. This is really when I saw that, I was like, oh gosh, that guy needs a pedicure so badly. (laughs) Like the roti was a little flaky, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) <laughs> How much of our time do we waste just in name branding? Low quality products with great names attached to them and the world is just being fooled and we're wasting so much of our money so much of our money You go to the majid, you take your shoes off and the guy next to you takes his shoes off he puts his shoes in the shoe rack next to yours and you're like, can you please move them over? Like you have Walmart brand shoes, I have Prada right here I don't feel comfortable with our shoes being next to one another This is a statement, this is not funny, this is sad. You know, I know this is true, I know people who will drive into a parking lot with a Porsche and they won't park next to a Toyota. They feel that hurts their image, that's a disrespect to their car. Why would I park next to this car? The world becomes nothing more than a competition. And you know who suffers the most? If you have kids and they're in this competition for you, they suffer the most. You know, someone else's kids... Are going to Kuman, so my kids have to go to Kuman too. Allah have mercy on any soul that goes to Kuman. Say Ameen. <laughs> Allah have mercy on every soul that goes to Kuman. Say Ameen. Most of these kids don't even know why they're in Kuman. Mom and dad, my English and math are actually good. Well, the next door people are sending their kids to Kuman, so naturally, what do I have to do? You're going to Kuman too, and you're like, Mom, I wanted to do karate instead. Every, it's all, you know, I feel bad saying this, monkey see, monkey do. That's what it is. They married their son to a doctor, so that, and they married their daughter to a doctor, so you will also marry a doctor. And she's like, mom and dad, I don't like doctors. Their schedules are too sporadic, they're too crazy, they're too hectic for me. I want someone that's a little bit more chilled, you know. I don't want someone that's that intense. This is, just, unfortunately, the way it is. Allah talks about this, tafakhurum baynakum. You spend so much of your life competing with other people, not being happy with what you are. Not being happy with what Allah has given you. And this is why you'll find people in America who earn respectful, amazing salaries. $60,000, $50,000, $40,000, good salaries. And I know when I say $40,000, some of you are having pity on the person who gets paid $40,000 right now. Whoever it is in this scenario. But there are people who, who receive respectful, good salaries, 40000 $50,000 and more yet they're not content, they're not happy, right? Now, I understand that in some parts of America, 40,000 is not acceptable. I appreciate that. I'm just using a general, I'm making a general statement here. Are there parts in America where living expenses may not be so costly? I mean, step away from the East Coast for a bit, even parts of the East Coast, where you can live for $40,000, is that possible? Yes or no? Absolutely. There are people who do it. The, The issue is that as our salaries increase, our greed also increases. One of my friends who's a Muslim financial advisor, he said something phenomenal to me once. He said to me, Mufti sah, I want you to think back at the first paycheck you got. For those of us that are a little older here, can everyone think of the first paycheck they got? Can you raise your hand and tell me how much it was? You don't have to raise your hand, you can just say it. Thousand dollars, oh goodness. 600! MashaAllah. Okay, so those numbers. I, I'm going to push it up a little, say like two, $3,000. Inshallah, hopefully, many of us, that was like the first check that we got. He says, think of the first check you got and ask yourself, did your life work out with that much money? And the answer is what? Yeah, you, you're alive today. You figured out the day, you figured out the year. With $3,000, you made it work. He said, now learn to live within that much money and all the extra money you earn as you grow and you progress in your field, learn to invest that money for 10 years. Everything over $3,000. Every penny you get over $3,000, invest it all for 10 years and sit on it. Put it into and, uh, what they call this... Um, what do they call these investment funds where, they, uh, where they continue to roll over? 410? Not 401k, but it's any... No, any, any like a sort of a mutual fund or any fund where you don't pull the money out, where you just let the money sit there, like a compound investment fund, that's what I was thinking. Put it in any compound investment fund and every four years your money grows by 100%. You put $100,000 in, four years later it becomes $200,000. Put $200,000 in, four years later it becomes four to five years. And a compound investment model, if you have like a 13 to 15% return rate, you can make that into, you know, uh a 400, 200 into 400000 into into and 400 into a million. And that's how these models work. And they're very safe and secure for the most part. So he was saying invest it. And the idea is very profound, which is don't let your luxuries increase with the money that you gain. Learn to be content with what you earn and use that extra money for the sake of humanity, for the khidmah of the deen. Anyway, let's continue with this example, this verse. So the first phase of life is playing. The second phase of life is beautifying yourself and competing with one another. And the third phase of life is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to as all you want to do is increase your wealth even more, get richer and richer and richer and فِي wal وَالْأَوْلَادِ and increase your family. It all becomes about money and family. But what happens in life, as you remember guys, is that every time you progress, what do you notice? When you look back at life, what do you think? I wasted so much time. Every time you look back in life. Depending on where you are in life right now, you always believe what? Well, what do you believe? I figured it out Whichever phase you're in If you're 60 years old what do you believe? I figured it out When you're 40 years old what do you believe? I figured it out When you're 80 years old what do you believe? I figured it out When you're 18 years old, when you're 8 years old when you're 2 years old every single person on this spectrum believes I figured it out But the truth is they've just been taken on a roller coaster by Shaytan And what they realize is as this old man is sitting with his son on one Sunday afternoon having coffee with him, the, cu- the cup falls from his hand. He begins to feel a pain in his chest. He falls to the side. His heart is thumping. His son's calling 911. The ambulance arrives. They load him on a stretcher. They're taking him, to, take him to the hospital. They're taking him into surgery. He holds his son's hand and he says to his son that today I transition from this world to the Akhirah. And as I die, I want you to know that I've just wasted my entire life. Because that's not why Allah created me. It wasn't for money, it wasn't for a house, it wasn't for college, it wasn't for marriage, none of this stuff. These were all extras in the life. The main reason Allah created me was to connect with Him. And this is the, tr- the truth, this is the reality that every Muslim must understand, young or old. And I, 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 this is a very fundamental point. Every Muslim, young or old, you must realize that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Qur'an teaches you how to spend your life. Now we're not telling you not to have fun, enjoy yourself. Everything has to happen within its limits. Everything must happen within its boundaries. You want to go play video games, go do it. Just limit yourself. It shouldn't come up, you want to do your MCAT, you want to go to med school, do it. But it can't come at the cost of you not growing spiritually. When someone tells me that I didn't pray Salah during my period of preparing for my MCAT, I have pity on them. How sad is it that there was an examination in the world that was so, so important for you, that you were preoccupied to even do Sajdah in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're telling me that you missed Salah, you missed a of your obligation to Allah because you were playing a game? Because you were playing basketball? Because you were watching a movie? I don't have a problem with you playing a video game. I don't have a problem with you playing basketball. I don't have a problem with you going to the movies. You want to do that stuff? That's your choice. I'm not sure if I would do it, but if you want to do it, go knock yourself out. What I do have a problem with is you not understanding your priorities in life. I'm going to share one thing, and with this I'll close. Luqman the wise, the one referenced in the Quran, he said to his son, that my dear son, If you take everything from this world but the love of Allah, you've taken nothing from this world. If you take everything from the world, if you are the best basketball player, you play hockey the best, your football game is impeccable, you know, you are amazing at pool, you're really good at table tennis, you're amazing at fruit ninja, like you're really good. You're at a competitive level, okay? You're really good at so many things. You can make a mean protein shake. You're very good at making beds. Right? It's, it's, You know, I bring this bed example because of how sad it is. They were talking about this in that BBC documentary of the of the Uyghur Muslims. Did you guys see it? Anyone see it? Where they let the cameras in, and they said that we trained these people for four weeks how to make beds. Astaghfirullah. It's, it's, it's a joke. Um, it's a joke. Big joke, may Allah relieve them, people, relieve those people from dhulm and allow them to return back to their homes. Anyway, um, what were we saying? Yes, if you believe the purpose of your life are, lies in these distractions, you've missed it. He's saying to his son that if you've accomplished everything of this world but not the love of Allah, then you've taken nothing. But if the only thing you end up taking from this world is the love of Allah and everything else doesn't work out, you've taken everything. If you're young or old, try to understand this. That I have a responsibility of building a relationship with Allah. Friends will come and go. Hobbies will come and go. Fads will come and go. They'll change. Style, you know, everything changes in the world. The only constant in your life is your relationship with Allah. That Allah is with you when you're 2 years old. That Allah is with you when you're 12 years old. That Allah will be with you the day you're getting married when you're 22 years old. That Allah will be with you when you're buying your first home at 32 years old. That Allah will be with you when you're burying your mother at 42 years old. That Allah will be with you when your son is graduating at the age of 52 years old. That Allah will be with you when you're going for your heart surgery at 62 years old. That Allah will be with you when you're being lowered into your grave at 72 years old. He's not going anywhere. كل من Everything will leave you. Everything will. As you're being lowered into your grave, your heart will cry as your mother and father lower you, begging them to not leave. But the truth is, they will leave. You will hear their footsteps walk away. يَتْبَعُهُ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَعَمَلُهُ فيرجع أهله وماله ويبقى عمله. Nabi says when a person dies, three things follow them to their grave. Their wealth, their family, and their deeds. Two things return back. Their wealth and family return back. And only one thing remains with you in the grave. What's that one thing? Your good deeds. That's all that remains with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not ask you in the grave about your finesse. Shot in soccer. He's not going to ask you about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask you, Man Rabbuk, Ma Dinuk, Man Hadar Rajul, Aladi Ursultoh Ilaykum. You know, tell me about your Lord. What is your religion? Tell me who this man is that I sent to you as a prophet. This is what Allah is going to ask you about. On the Day of Judgment, Allah isn't going to ask you, you know, how many kills did you get in Fortnite? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask you, An Umrihi feema afna. This is what Allah is going to ask you. Tell me about your life. How did you spend your youth? How did you spend your life? Where did you earn your wealth from? Where did you spend your wealth? Tell me these things. So appreciate and understand that building that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very meaningful. I'm out of time, right? Yeah, four minutes left. We'll stop here. I had one more thought, but I'll leave that. Maybe for another time, maybe for another gathering. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... He accepts, he empowers our youth. And for the youth sitting here, I want you to learn. If there's one thing that you can take back from today's lecture, in a sentence. Learn to appreciate mature and proper perspective of your life. What are you living for? Create a perspective. What's the purpose in my life? Can I change something? Can I change the state of slavery in today's world? Modern day slavery. Can I liberate people from uh, uh, their ills and their harms? Can I empower women and empower youth in our community? What can I do? Either you can waste your life doing nothing, or you can really do a lot. You can do a lot. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with perspective and himma and guidance and encouragement. Wa ta'ala alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.